this is your host of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. I'm Leisha Holmes and I just wanted to say thank you for choosing to listen to our episode. Now before we start, I would like to thank our sponsors, Hoxo Media and Vincere. I will explain a bit more about them later on in the episode as to how you, our listener, can benefit from a unique discount by mentioning the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you contact them. Now remember to click subscribe as you're listening now to get notified of every new weekly episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Without further ado, let's jump in to the episode. This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast and I am so excited to welcome to our amazing global community today somebody that I've had the privilege of getting to know over the last two years she might be familiar with some of those on LinkedIn who hopefully follow her amazing value this is Claire Mohammed, otherwise known as Migsy welcome to you today how are you hello 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 thank you so much for having me I am very well I'm delighted to be here thank you it's, it's an absolute pleasure it's been a long time coming to be honest with you we've uh, been planning to do this for some time haven't we I know right I know I think we when you just said then that we've been getting to know each other over the past two years I was like oh my god it, two years it was 2020 and 2020 yeah. we we are friends through the most incredible <laughs> tribe of women called women unleashed so we'll definitely be tagging you in this post we have got to know each other and we are I feel like we're family that's how it feels to I me <laughs> yeah. well the conversations that we have Leash, it's not just uh it's not all recruitment and business. We get, uh, we get it's life. on it on a lot of topics, don't we? That's for sure. Definitely. Well, it's been, yeah, it has been a real pleasure. But for those who are not yet familiar with you, Migsy, tell us a little bit about your tenure and what you've done in your career. Sure. So my name is Claire, Claire Mohammed, also known as Migsy, as you said. Um, and yes, I've, I've been working in recruitment now for... Oh, nearly 20 years. Um, sales and recruitment over 20 years. Yeah, which is which is great. And my career started, my my early career started in advertising sales. And it's funny because I had the choice of either with the um, graduate recruitment agency of either going into advertising sales or going into recruitment. And I just didn't know what recruitment was. So I chose ad sales. Um, but you know, that, that happened and I was doing that for a number of years and then moved into training um, and then then recruitment got me. So it, I got there in the end. It just took me a little bit longer to find recruitment, but I was, I was so happy when I did. Um, yeah, and I've, I've had the pleasure of working for um, a decade. I worked with them for a number of years. So the, I went to the, the world's biggest recruiter um, and that was good because it took me around the world, which was fantastic. And then I left there and then I joined a still small startup and I was with them for a decade and that was amazing because I was able to be part of that journey of growing a business of early early inception and being just 10 people when I joined to over 100 mm-hmm. when I left yeah which was which was awesome and now I work independently helping recruiters trainee recruiters recruitment leaders people moving into leadership in recruitment um mainly UK, but also global um, as well. And that's helping them progress in their careers, improve their performance, um, be better at what they do in their careers, whether it's it's business results or, or helping them move forward. Oh, what an amazing introduction. And, and anyone listening, you can, wherever you sit in the recruitment industry, you can see why I've invited Claire onto the channel today, because your level of experience, and I love the fact that you've 
flip from advertising sales into recruitment because that's actually quite a common background for a lot of recruiters certainly those yeah. of, maybe those of a certain age I think property and advertising sales has always been a good link into recruitment but you've worked for large global you've worked for a startup and you've then scaled that business so in terms of your expertise and your um, gravitas to advise and coach people on learning and development of how to get the best out of people and also out best out of the person listening now I don't think there's anybody better so thank you so much for joining us and I think what's really obvious when you know people get to know you online through the things that you share on LinkedIn and just get to know you is that you're passionate about learning and development and it's such a critical part of each and everyone that's listening now your learning and development never really stops surely oh god no no I mean it's it's continual isn't it I mean I, I think I was speaking with a business owner yesterday or a, a business leader rather um and we were talking about the opportunity of working together and I said look you know I, I I'd really like to work with you I love the the work that you're doing I love the the projects that you've got happening and and the goals that they had I said but more importantly it's a real opportunity for me to learn from the business as well um, and I, I don't think you ever stop learning because things move on and the way that you do things changes and you want to keep fresh and in tune with with what what's happening in the market with where you are because I don't think recruitment changes that much but the market does it does and I think yeah. it, that's why I wanted that to be the starting point really that sort of whole notion that whoever you are listening whether you're a business owner whether you're a leader as you say in, within a yeah. company sort of being promoted or whether you're just starting out your early career you're always going to learn because you're dealing with human beings and human beings are not a one size fits all. So there's always something that's different, whether it's through, it's through technology, whether it's through new policies, whatever it might be. So I yeah. think we're going to try and cover quite a lot within a condensed sort of episode because I think we could probably talk for hours. I think you can guess that <laughs> Claire's on the fade. So whatever you say, we know we're going to enjoy listening to. So, but one of the things I wanted to start with today is that given what we've just said there about the sort of the diversity of our audience, um, one of the key things in a learning and development journey is how we actually are brought into a business, you know, the onboard yeah. process. And I think one thing that's probably changed and transformed significantly in the last few years is the fact that a lot of companies have, rightly so, uh, embraced hybrid working. So in your experience of that independent, which is why it's such an invaluable perspective, what, what do you think is the best way to onboard? And let's break it into two you know really experienced hires those that are coming from you know other recruitment companies and those that are coming into the industry for the first time we briefly interrupt this chat on the recruiters recruitment podcast to introduce to you our partnership with vincere the recruitment operating system vincere is the modern recruitment operating system for recruitment and staffing agencies around the globe a single tech platform that unifies your CRM, your ATS, your website, candidate and client portals, shift scheduler, timesheets, data and analytics, and now including video interviewing and outreach all under one roof. This is the reason the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast chose to partner with Vincere because we want to make the job of a modern recruiter as simple as possible. So if you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to manage your entire operation, visit vincere.io and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Now, back to the chat. That's, um, it's such a big thing, isn't it? Um, particularly because figure show onboarding 
increases retention by up to 82%. Yeah, and for businesses, typically turnover happens mainly in the first 30 to 45 days. So you'll, you'll 20% of, of businesses lose their people within that, that first period. If you think about how difficult and how challenging it is to hire, particularly now, um, you know, being able to impact that is huge. And for, for most businesses, onboarding happens just over one or two weeks. But I think I think the big priority that, or the big impact that people can make around their onboarding is just being, regardless of whether it's trainees or um, experience, it's just being really clear about what your onboarding is for. And to make it more about um, retention, not rejection. You know, people have got the job. You know, just this week, um, and I think I think a big part of onboarding is checking and reviewing where people are at. But what what we really shouldn't be doing is at three months, six months, is assessing them and re-interviewing them for the role that that we've hired them for. That's not what onboarding is about. It's about engagement. It's about productivity. And if you do it well, it'll impact retention. That's that's the big thing. Um, so I think get clear on what your goals are you know in terms of why are we onboarding people what's it for and then start to think about what's the best way to do it and I think some of the great things that technology has has enabled people to start thinking about is people have started to collate documents um, and really start to organize themselves and have forms have documents for things and have the paperwork to hand which is great but onboarding somebody to help them get productive and to engage them it's not about content it's about the experience mm. you know it is always about the experience that they have and that's what they will take forward it's so important if I think back like 20 odd years to my onboarding experience um, in ad sales you know I could tell you what happened every single day in the first couple of weeks and I could tell you what had an impact and sure enough it'll be the things where I was active I was engaged I was involved with people I was doing stuff right it's not just about handing over a file of documents so I think really getting clear on um what the experiences that that people have um the people that tend to thrive post onboarding it's normally about what networks that they've been introduced to and built right. so it's things like do, do they have an opportunity to know about the informal networks and what I mean about that is you know who are the go-to people to ask for help who can you know who are the the people that you'll talk to about certain things when you need to understand how things work and what happens so did they those informal networks help um and did they have a chance to build relationships with people that is huge yeah, of course. The other things that make it a huge difference. Um, I think having a six month plan mm. is massive. Um, and really thinking about, yeah, really thinking about, okay, so let's fast forward a little bit to somebody that's come into our business. They've been successfully onboarded. They've been with us six months now. And we're saying, do you know what? We're so happy with this hire and how everything went they're happy we're happy what does that look like and what did it look like at month five and what did it look like at month four and month three and month two and month one and in the first month probably weeks four three two one you know and what does it look like and really reverse engineer it I mean as recruiters you know we reverse engineer everything don't we? we think about like what outcomes are we going for let's reverse engineer it's the same with onboarding 
absolutely um you know and map out what those milestones are i think being realistic mm. is huge so um, the realism that i think people can bring into play is what when does performance happen with a new with, with a new employee you know are we are we expecting them to as an experienced people when do we expect them to be productive and to be consistent in their performance because it's not going to happen in month one they might have some successes and you you expect some successes um, when you're bringing in that experience but there is going to be um a lag period it's like a hockey stick isn't it in terms of how you know they come in there's a bit of a lag period and then you want to see them accelerate be realistic with what those expectations are and when it happens i think is huge likewise for trainees um you know one of my big <laughs> One of my bugbears is I, I find it really frustrating that trainees are quite often measured on revenue generation mm. and they're not, they're contributing, they're assisting, but they're not fully responsible because if they're fully responsible, make them a consultant. Absolutely. You know, don't, don't measure them as a consultant when they're a trainee. And again, that's coming down to, you know, knowing what the, the outcomes are, knowing what the goals for goals are. And similarly for, you know, for trainees as well is really not overwhelming them with the whole job straight away you know it's huge so i think it's i think the the goal's huge reverse engineering how you get there and know what good looks like making it very relationship-led and then having making it experiential not yeah. just about the content. I've really picked up because it is it, it when you were just saying that then about you sort of re re reversing the clock to when you first started. I think how somebody or how an experience makes you feel is what you will remember, and it's what will keep you loyal, and it's what will keep you working hard when things are tough. So I think actually you're absolutely right there. It's like anything in life. If you can think yeah. about how somebody made you feel. I think it's actually a really critical part of it and everything else that you said that and I know that was quite specific to the sort of the trainee market but actually at any level it's about setting realistic expectations and communicating yeah. and communicating yeah. it and very often sure. that doesn't get communicated it kind of it gets dictated potentially and I don't think that's an agreement then that's not an agreement between two people you know I'm not sure I'm going to achieve that what I want to achieve is the minimum expectation of me and then overachieve that you know yeah. I mean, that, some of the best people in the world have all the right intentions, but if you're not agreeing an expectation, it's pointless. It's pointless, yeah. Well, that's the, that's the thing about onboarding, isn't it? It's not just about... So for trainees, it's quite often about the, the training that they get on. Mm -hmm. You know, what training are they going to receive? But it's not. It's more than that because it's about um, getting acclimatised to the culture. It's about having manager feedback and manager check-ins. It is about job-specific training where it's relevant and um, it's about building those relationships building those networks and there's so much more to it that contributes that you, you need to tick more of those boxes mm. to really help people thrive and become productive and be engaged as well and like you said there, you know asking them that's going to engage them asking them what do they want from it i can say interesting that you use the hockey stick because I, I remember that sort of feeling when I first started in recruitment that hitting that first brick wall disillusioned learner you know I'd had a bit of early success and then I just could not make a placement for love nor money and I almost quit recruitment very famously after three months and then all of a sudden I went on my training course funnily enough which is why I'm a huge advocate of learning and development 
Um, and then I just obviously propelled. And you know, it's continual. It's like anything in life. It's a continual. Yeah. And hopefully you keep learning how have you so you've obviously you know you were doing L&D training way before the pandemic obviously you've then done it through the pandemic and now we're in a post sort of you know this is the way that the new norm is do you personally prefer per, like in-person training or do you have you totally embraced the whole sort of virtual thing through technology I, I'm I'm hybrid <laughs> so like 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 the world of work I'm hybrid and I, I, there's different things I love about different approaches so I mean we cannot deny that when you're in person you if you can there's more that happens in the conversation you know you you kind of there's more natural opportunities to have a side conversation, to chat, like, you know, at a break, getting a coffee, you know, to get to know people, to build relationship, to, um, we typically tend to be with somebody for a longer period of time over the course of the day. So the relationships do tend to develop more when you're face-to-face. Yeah. Yeah. The things that I love about face-to-face, if, you know, most of what I do, it's, you know, I have like a kind of, set criteria that I live by when it comes by training to training it's not about the content it's about is it going to make an impact is it relevant to the people in the room is it fun is it engaging is it close to what they do you know and you really want to have a lot of fun and make it really practical and experiential and when you're face to face you know you can walk over to a group that are working and you can check in with them and you can flush out where they're at and how they're getting on and you know it's it's an easier thing to do when you're face to face Mm. when you're remote or when you're virtual and I I mean for me if you're going to do it remote do it virtual I think support it with real-time instructor-led training don't just put somebody on a on a course that they have to complete and follow up I've had access to LinkedIn learning for god knows how long I haven't done a single course and it's not through lack of great content. It's not through lack of, and it's just that it's it's another level of organisation I've got to think about that. It's just not yeah. there. Um, I think your best chance of getting that done is when somebody first starts on a job, when they, you know, where their inbox is three, that, that magical moment in, in a new company where you've got three emails in your inbox or four, um, but that doesn't last long. So I think if you are going to do it, remote, do, do it with, have that, live interaction it's accountability isn't it that's what it yeah, is it's accountability every time I, I'm the same. i've had an apple mac for however many years but and i could go and get free training on this time i want but there's no accountability to actually go and do it but when mm-hmm. i'm going exactly. to yeah. a webinar and the person's going to be there hosting it yeah. i'm going to turn up definitely yeah. so. and then the joy of that is you can you can do it with bigger groups or smaller groups you can you, you can it can be more inclusive it's more accessible it tends to be which is a good thing you know in smaller chunks mm. so it's less overwhelm of learning so that's really good mm. um you know and you know I mean I've got clients in Australia about I was, yeah I mean I, I mentioned to you before I found it hysterical I was working with a business and one of the cohorts were some of the people were in uh, Houston some of the people were in Sao Paulo and the, the Houston group, they were in a boardroom together. So I had some people on individual screens and some people in a boardroom, you know, so you got all of these different dynamics happening. And, and I was broadcasting onto like a 65, 75 inch screen in a boardroom in Houston. And it just, I don't know, it just really tickled me the idea that, that my face was, was on that screen. But you know, that, that creates so much opportunity. And it, you know, it's brilliant because you can bring people together from different locations. 
and have them collaborate, work together, build peer groups in ways that they might not necessarily do if it was, you know, in person, because inevitably you tend to get, if you've got a main HQ, that's where the training happens. And then the other locations, less so. So you have, you, you know, you're more deliberate in bringing people together. So there's a lot of great stuff about it, but you've got to fill the gaps. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen a shift towards people? And I've certainly seen this myself because obviously my clients are your clients, potentially, that LD is no longer this kind of virtue signaling by recruitment leaders to say, oh, yeah, yeah, we do LD, we bring in somebody. They actually hire in a full time person. And what are your thoughts on there being one person in a business responsible for the whole LD versus the advantage, as you may see it, as having somebody like yourself that goes into various different companies? Okay. So I just wanted to break away from the chat for 60 seconds to talk to you about an issue a lot of agencies are facing right now and what one company, Hoxo Media, are doing about it. There's a lot of talk about what it takes to be the quote unquote modern recruiter, personal branding, building an online presence, finding new and innovative ways to engage the market, whatever your market is. It's an approach most businesses are fumbling around with at the moment, to be honest. Meanwhile, Hoxo have absolutely nailed it. They are arguably the world's foremost marketing agency dedicated exclusively to the recruitment sector. And they've worked out what recruiters need to do to see tangible success through online activity. They've developed a proven methodology to follow on LinkedIn daily to establish you, you, as the go-to recruiter in your space and drive inbound leads and new business opportunities on a consistent basis. Now they teach it all to you over an eight week course in the Hoxo Academy. I actually completed the Hoxo Academy in the very height of COVID and it completely transformed my business. In fact, it paid for itself by the end of week two. The best place to find out more about Hoxo Media is to check out their website, hoxomedia.com or search for them on LinkedIn and give them a follow. They give away an absolute ton of valuable advice and actionable tips for free. But if and when you're ready to seriously invest in your online brand, give these guys a shout. But make sure to tell them that Leisha from Key Recruitment sent you and just quote the podcast, the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, and they'll give you a cheeky discount as well. Not bad, eh? Now, back to the chat. I was with um, a deco. I was in a, a big training team, mm. so there was a big L and D function, which is fantastic. In the small stuff, I was a lone wolf, so it was just me. Um, and obviously now I'm, I'm independent and I'm working across the board. And I think there's, I think it's brilliant when businesses invest in L and D, and when they do it from the perspective of twofold. Yes, of course, you want to impact performance and impact business results. That's absolutely huge. And it should, there should be direct ROI from your investment that linked to the business performance and your strategic goals, without a doubt. I think where there's a shift and there's a demand is when it's linked to people's individual's personal growth. Now, that doesn't mean that their, their, their personal growth is learning related to, um, you know, I'm doing a course on children's mental health, right. for example. Um, you know, and that's part of my own growth, but personal growth in career, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't have to be a side subject. Yeah. It's just about people grow. And that's what people want yeah. in their career. They, you know, they don't just want, um, 
the money, the location, the, you know, the hierarchy of career progression. They want to feel like they're growing, that they're moving forward in some way, shape or form in their life. And their career is a great way to do that. So I think increasingly businesses are recognizing that. And I think that there needs to be that shift. That, that's huge. So the challenge of having a one person in the business is there's a lot that, you know, they need to be able to cover a lot if they're the only person running the L&D. They need to be thinking about career plans, succession planning. They need to be thinking about how do they onboard and how do they, you know, what's the, the onboarding process? What's the job skill training? What's the job skill training that's required for a trainee or a senior consultant or a senior consultant that's progressing to team leadership? What's your management training? What coaching are you supporting? There's a huge suite and plethora of L&D there for one person to manage. That's huge. Um, and I think I think it's too much, to be honest. I think what you get, what's brilliant what you, when you bring in an external person is you get, um, it's the same value that you bring as a recruiter to your clients and candidates. You've got visibility across the market. So you're not operating in the bubble of one business. You've got visibility of trends that are happening in the market, what's happening, where are the issues, where are the challenges, where are the opportunities? And you can bring, that external person can bring a huge amount of value into an organization. I think, the sweet spot is, is if you've got somebody that's, if the business can support it, that is, but if you've got either a dedicated person or whose who role is L&D, or you've got somebody who's championing the L&D, which could be the, one of the business owners or directors or whoever it is, who's championing that internally, and they're ensuring from an internal perspective that the L&D strategy is meeting the business needs and also the people needs. And then bring in some external expertise, you know, um, get some help with your management development or to mentor your L&D person or to sense check what you're doing and how you do, and do, do a mix and a blend. You know, um, there's a question, I've got an L&D community, um, L&D 2.0, and there was a question about, should you share your, you know, your slides with a client and what if they reuse them? Do you know what? I actually share my stuff. Because the value for me is of bringing me in isn't in the content. It's no, actually in the experience of often having a, a different voice. You know, that external view, that external voice that comes in and quite often says what the business owner is saying or what the manager is saying. But because it's a different voice, it has a different impact. Because the thing is, learning is an experience. It it's not content. I just, I just want to pick up on that last bit that you just said. I think that where it can sometimes there's, there's a, a disparity is where the leaders are not reinforcing what the trainer and the L&D person is there to do. Because it's yeah. no point you helicoptering in, doing all this amazing training, everybody buying into it, you're having this huge impact. If they then go, yeah, but you still need to get on and do 50 sales calls and you've just spent the last two months encouraging them to do personal branding and LinkedIn and webinars and all this. Yeah. Not to have that reinforcement. And I think that's where having somebody externally, you have got an objective, impartial person making that not making that decision but I guess bringing in that level of expertise whereas yeah. somebody who is you know as I see it somebody who is permanently employed is more likely to I guess pander to what the leaders are looking for and then you're not really changing anything you're not really adding anything you're just sort of adding on different layers to what's yeah. sort of there. I just I, I, I totally see your analogy with yeah. recruiters an external recruiter you know we we can plagiarize we can take all best practice 
decide what's right and you know you're cherry picking aren't you when you're consulting you're there to consult your clients and what will work best and have the most impact which is what it's about the challenge you've got is if you you know quite often people want to bring in a trainer to, to let's say you know make an impact on I don't know let's say it could be engaging candidates at the moment which is massive right um being able to engage candidates or being able to spot opportunities to improve how you're progressing through the recruitment process you know so I say candidate control there's was, there was never any control but how you manage how you take ownership of the thing or to impact sales or whatever it is you're right because there's not always the investment beyond that training mm. that's the difficult part yeah. because you can have a certain amount of impact from a, a training event the introduction of skills the refresher the even just the effect of feeling that you've been led and and you know there's something there's a huge amount to be said about creating space for colleagues to share ideas that is massive and to be honest you don't really need to bring in a trainer to do that I mean it's great I can facilitate a conversation that right way and it's part part of the course but you know do more of that in your business and you know you will get learning happening and conversations happening more often you know where it's not just the day-to-day or the social side get people sharing ideas and the the trick the the tricky thing is is without that reinforcement without that coaching without that transfer of you know they might have experimented in the the training environment they might be introduced to new ideas they might be all the best context that they could have had if there's no application and there's no reflection in terms of right we gave that a go how did it go what went well what can we do to improve on it and that we're missing a big part of the learning yeah you are experience disparity totally no I I just love that I just want to pick up on that there's sort of champions I love that I love it when a business does that when you've got somebody who's you know just naturally brilliant at things like tech and they'll do a you know a training session on how to use the tech and that kind of thing I think you're just creating and very often it is somebody like yourself that will have come in and you you know you're the you're the instigator you're the facilitator create yeah the catalyst there you go but you're but you're creating a culture and where we started this whole conversation about wanting to hire in people that want to continually develop and learn yeah, I mean, there's like there's that age conversations like what 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 are the ingredients of a of a of a successful recruiter, you know, and you know we, we can debate that till the cows come home. But I think a big part of it is you know having that growth mindset is like that willingness, that will, that desire, that personal will to want to get better. Yeah, definitely want to get better and want to improve, you know, and that is all linked. Obviously, you know, if you've got a personal why, you've got a big bucket full of determination thrown into boot then you know with a sprinkling of likability then you know the world's the oyster isn't it, the oyster, isn't it? um there's your, there's your recipe everybody she that there we're, we're gonna have a chef claire on the next time on the podcast i think that's a beautiful place to finish it we've kind of brought it all back together again with uh what we think is a growth mindset but thank you so much for joining us today on the recruiters recruitment podcast you've been amazing Thank you for having me. My pleasure.